0: Coming up, let's talk affordable performance cars, right? Because they've never been better. They've certainly never gone harder or been more affordable. And yet they have all lost one teeth gnashing ability, which would be to hook up yo aging box trailer and tootle off to the dump or Bunnings. So dude, what gives and what are you going to do about it? I'm John Cadogan from autoexpert.com.au and I get new cars cheap for buyers Yeah, in Australia. Website for that, <laughs> there's Lee! Or you can just click the card that's up there now. Dude, I towed it up there with an i30N just moments ago. I'd put a chain around the axle and hope for the best because you know, no tow bar. We'll get to that. This video is kind of sponsored by Olight. If you're watching it on the day of its debut, the 25th of February of 2022, there's a big fat Olight sale on right at the moment. Links in the description. Big fat discounts for you, so just go there if you want that. They are awesome flashlights. I find myself carrying the Olight Warrior Mini 2 every day. It's pretty Good for everyday carry because you don't feel it in your pocket and it's so damn useful, there's that. But I wanted to talk to you about the Baton 3, which comes in this Zippo-esque sort of case, which is also a battery that charges the torch up up to four times without plugging in by USB-C to recharge the lot. And you can recharge it with a standard Olight magnetic charger on the back if you're, you know, out there without the case. So that's nice. Packs a punch. Very bright for something this small, it's only about six and a half centimeters long. Not going there. And its party trick, I think you'd agree, is if you're, you know, rooting around and you're in some dark place like under the friggin' car or under the friggin' bonnet of your car and you're looking in some dingy little hole and you need both hands and light and you've only got two hands, then I really like this trick, okay? Because You don't need a separate head torch, this looks exactly where you're looking and it shines the light there and you've got both hands free and you don't even feel it. And all you need to do is, you know, man up and admit that you look ridiculous without a hat on because your head's all shiny and nobody needs to see that. So you wear your dome cover, you've got the lip to put your impromptu head torch on and problem solved. So that's nice. Now, this report arises as a consequence of a lengthy 36 point Ariel message from a dude named Chris who's in a quandary over buying his next performance car so he can't be alone Chris you are not alone you're not suffering in isolation or you might be but at least you've got a whole bunch of people out there who are likewise suffering also in isolation so I don't know if that is any comfort to you but it's got to be more than just you dude suffering in this way so Chris goes I am looking for options to replace my ageing 2011 Subaru WRX hatch. The car has served me very well as an everyday runabout over the past decade, but it's getting on in the mileage department and starting to show its age with an increased need for repairs during the past 12 months. Chris, you're using complete sentences, proper syntax and actual punctuation. Like, dude... If you're not careful, you'll be getting your head punched in every day at school. You know that, right? like, I never thought I'd see the day. I'm looking for an equivalent performance hatch or small SUV like a Kona N. My needs are pretty simple. One, he's even punctuating this bullet point list properly. Like, Jesus. It must have decent performance as I hate a boring drive. Two thumbs up on that. Agreed. Two, it must preferably be a hatch for cargo carry. Yeah, okay, approved. And three, this is where the disappointment kicks in, I think, it must be able to tow light loads, just like my current WRX. My job requires that I park in shopping center car parks. So the car is constantly at the mercy of stray trolleys and poor driving. So I don't want to spend more than 60,000 bucks on a daily drive. I'm sorry to hear that you're subjecting your pride and joy to that, Chris, but I hope you can be stoic about it at least. I wonder if it'll survive the first week of its new assignment. Anyway, I've recently looked at options and in my eyes, the Hyundai i30N was a front runner. I agree, that car is friggin' awesome for the money. It has solid performance credentials and is clearly track capable, which is a big bonus as it wouldn't require any upgrades as a daily runabout. Agreed. Agreed, Chris. Like, you want a car that is just good to go to a track out of the box and yet also compatible with all kinds of daily driving. I think we found a winner. i30N is exactly that. And very few people would be capable of taking that car to a racetrack and driving it at every point on the track at the limit of its performance potential, which is, let's not forget, your job if you're behind the wheel in an environment like that. So, yeah, I inquired with the local dealership and to my disappointment, none of the N cars are rated for towing, i30N nor the Kona N. Now, let us talk about the Kona N momentarily because I love that car too. I like, like, I love driving it. It's awesome. It's essentially an i30N in a different body, like packaged up a bit differently. But it's a bit of a freak show of a car, really. could have come out of a lab in Wuhan, couldn't it? I, I've actually got a... Uh, a review of the Kona N shot, and I'm really wondering how I'm going to contextualize it, because I love driving it, but I wouldn't recommend it. Like, my conclusion is buy an i30N because it's better, Like in the context of it's going to be faster. And if you're buying a performance car, faster is kind of important. So anyway, there's that. Uh, Chris goes on that they could not provide reasons, just excuses, for this absence of a tow i I've since looked at the performance options from other brands and the story is the same. If you want performance in the 2020s, this is a bit of a rant now, it comes with zero towing capacity, Subaru WRX, brackets, fugly, Toyota Yaris GR, great but too small, Honda Civic Type R, brackets, boy racer, Uh, Mercedes AMG, overpriced and let's not forget, three-prong, legendary customer care. Yet it's the same story with all of them on the tow capacity front, i.e. zero, Chris says. It's as if the car gods have decided that performance and towing are mutually exclusive in 2020. Like, what the? I agree. They have decided that. It's something you just can't do it anymore. Chris goes on and says, my questions are, why would car companies not bother to compliance their vehicles for some level of towing capacity in Australia. I'm not looking to tow a horse float or huge caravan, thank Christ. We've got enough of those people out there on the road already gumming up the works. I'm looking to tow a personal watercraft a few times a year, some rubbish to the tip, or a trailer of supplies from Bunnings, maybe 500 to 700 kilograms of towing capacity at best. The kind of towing that most people would typically do and that ironically, most entry-level cars are also rated to do. Surely people in the market for these cars are just as likely to tow a garden trailer to the tip or hardware store a couple of times a year. Ah, missed it, bye. As they are to visit a racetrack. Not sure about that. It can't surely be the case that if you want a performance hatch, you're also expected to own yet another vehicle for a dozen towing trips. Yeah, dude, I think that is exactly the expectation. What's most frustrating is that many of these cars, including the i30N, are complianced for towing up to 1,250 kilos overseas, but not here, which is plain ridiculous. I'm not sure about that. I haven't looked into it. You might be right, Chris. Manufacturers even have OEM tow bars available in those markets. Please feel free to make sense of it all for me. Any suggestions for other worthwhile options that I could consider that might meet my needs above? Or will I have to come to terms with a future consisting of boring, lifeless daily drives and pray that I can get my GT3 to the track even more frequently for a release? I hope not. Many thanks in advance. Kind regards, Chris. Literacy, dude. 10 out of 10. You'll never fit in. I feel your pain. Nearly. Okay, so... Car companies are ridiculously economically rational and I think they've just done the calculus in Australia and they've gone, well, the cost of compliance for that is X and the number of people who are likely to do towing with these performance vehicles are a small number and therefore we cannot amortise the cost over the number of people who are likely to opt for a tow bar in a vehicle such as that. I, I think it's really that simple because There doesn't seem to be a technical reason why any of those vehicles couldn't hypothetically tow. I mean, none of them come with spare tyres, so irrespective of what you're towing or not towing, if you get a flat tyre, you're going to be stopped on the side of the road looking for a tow truck. So there's that. I don't see there is any sort of downside to not having a tow capacity in that respect. It's got to just be economically rational. So what you've got to... I guess ask yourself is how disposable is your need for towing? Like it seems to me that Chris has got a profound desire for a car that offers the daily driving performance potential similar to a WRX in the current context. And to me, that would be an i30N every time. Like it's just awesome. So how disposable is your need to tow the trailer? And on the issue of getting rubbish to the tip or Going to the hardware store or landscape supply joint, you can outsource those requirements, right? You just can because if you looked at the cost of owning a trailer and therefore you could look at the cost of n- getting rid of it, like you could sell your trailer and then not have to register it every year, and that would pay for a fair bit of delivery. And if you got the money for an i30N, then you've got the money to get whatever supplies delivered and if it's only a dozen times a year then is it really worth having a trailer at home taking up space looking like shit in the way at times it's probably not you're probably just hanging on to that irrationally so you can outsource your need for delivery and disposal of sundry items and then there's the thorny issue of the watercraft right so I don't know how often do you use your watercraft if that's wrapped up into the dozen times a year just hire a ute with a tow bar like just do that and enjoy your performance car but you're going to just be bashing your head against a brick wall on the issue of uh, demanding loudly that some car company magics up a tow bar for a for you essentially, for you and three other people because it might cost them $100,000 to put that tow bar installation into the compliance envelope of that car and if that is the case, they're just not going to spend the money for you and two other dudes who want to do that. Like that's just how this rolls and the fact that none of them do that suggests to me that they've all done the same calculations. The other thing is it's going to impact the performance slightly because a tow bar installation is gonna be 20 to 30 kilos, I guess, all up. And that's right out the back behind the rear axle line and more mass is just something you don't need in a performance car and it's, it's always gonna be there. It's not like you can unload it in the manner of other sundry shit when you get to the track, right? The tow bar is gonna be staying there. It's gonna sort of vestigially upset the balance a little bit and there might also be on the performance tyres, and I'd have to look at that. If you get the chance, you could go to a dealership or look at the specific tyre spec and just have a look at the load rating, which is, you know, 85, whatever, 103, whatever, at the end of the 225, 245, 255, slash 60, whatever, you know, after the, after the wheel size, there'll be a load rating, okay, and you can decode the load rating using Google, and it might actually be that towing anything could exceed the load rating of the tyres if the vehicle is loaded up to its GVM. So, There's that to consider as well, I guess, with performance tyres, which are typically not about load and more about grip and lateral performance and things of that nature. I'm not sure. I'm just speculating that that might also be an impediment. Now, if it really is essential for you to do that, then what you could do is you could source the tow bar installation from overseas. Okay, and you could fit it to the car potentially if you do the due diligence and the investigation in your state and you talk to an authorized engineering signatory because it should be child's play to get the tow bar and all of the stuff that's already been complianced overseas and get it shipped here. Now, that might cost you a bit, but there shouldn't be any problem with validating it by this sort of Post registration mechanism that most authorities at every state have in place for modifications. And this modification should be pretty easy for a best spoke sort of authorised engineering signatory to evaluate and say, you know what, it's been evaluated by a whole bunch of propeller heads overseas, and therefore here's a bit of paper with my signature on it saying, two thumbs up sort of thing. So you might want to investigate that, mate. It could be possible to do it as a one-off at far lesser cost than it would be for a car maker to just jump through whatever compliance hoops they have to jump through to get that out of the blocks for first registration in Australia. I'm just speculating on that, but if it really is something that you need to do, it's in your DNA and there's no, you can't jump into CRISPR and cut it out sort of thing, then that might be an option. Okay, so it could be possible to do that. I don't know. But on the issue of I-30N, yeah, approved, two thumbs up, do it. You will not be disappointed, except if it's out of the block's tow capacity, but you might be able to get over that. And then you just have to ask yourself, can I just dispose of this, you know, somewhat irrational need for, I don't know, Four trips to the tip and four trips back from Bunnings. You can outsource that easily, right? And then you've got your jet ski and you want to get that to the water. What is that, another four times a year? Hire a car, dude. Like hire a ute with a tow bar and just tow it. Do it four times a year. It's going to cost you, what, a couple of hundred bucks a time. Still cheaper than suffering with some shitbox that you're going to hate driving. I guess the other thing you could do is you could get one step down like an i30n or a kia serato gt and if you want you could hop it up a little bit you know it still would not be as good as an i30n in the performance domain but it might go a little bit better you'll void the warranty of course you'll save 20 grand or you know 15 grand something like that that's a reasonable performance modification budget certainly and you might be able to enjoy that. But it's still not going to be as good as factory integration. So the first thing I'd do is I'd trot off down to the Reggio Authority in your state and I'd ask them for a list of engineering signatories because they've generally all got that and you can probably find it online. And then I'd talk to one of those dudes and just say, hypothetically, if I sourced these bits from overseas and bolted them up, would you authorise that, you know? that might be the solution that is staring you in the face, Chris. Let me know how you go, mate. I wish you all the best with it because it would be good to have one car that does it all. And if you can source those bits from overseas, then happy days.